This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. It's felt like a lifetime since we last saw Argyle play as the international break dragged on forever. Not much happened in that week and a half since beating Blackburn 3-0. Joining me tonight to preview Preston is the fist-pumping Sam Down. How's things? Uh, Better if I remember to unmute myself. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Yeah, very good. Looking forward to Saturday. Nice. Uh, Dan Ellard, all good? Yeah, very good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, John Allsop, evening. Evening. And to complete the clean sweep, a pod debut, uh, Graham Clark, evening. Evening, all. Good to be on. Uh, Graham, just for the benefit of the listeners who don't know who you are, can you give us a quick introduction? Uh, yeah, I first supported, started supporting Argyle in 1982 when I moved down to uh, Plymouth. Before that, and I whisper it quietly, my family were QPR supporters. So my formative years were following the likes of Stan Bowles and Rodney Marsh, which was a very privileged football upbringing. But moving to Plymouth, um, people don't realise it with a one-club city, it's entirely all about Argyle. And my first match was the Everton friendly Falklands charity game on Friday the 13th of August but still on the Mayflower Terrace behind the dugouts and it was just a totally different experience that uh, being a supporter of QPR you were close to the the uh, managers you the abuse that the away managers got was fantastic and I felt fully embraced very quickly despite the quality of football not matching what I'd previously seen. Yeah, I think we'll get on to abusing managers uh, later on. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> that might be on the agenda. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Um, apart from apart from that first game, you were former chair of the, the Argyle Trust. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, that came about. Um, in fact, I got a phone call from the local MP. Would you like to be on the... Argyle Trust Board because there'd been some problems with the board members that Sam probably remember. And I said yes. 
then she phoned back, said, would you like to be chairman? I said, well, I haven't even met the committee yet. And <laughs> said, well, okay. And then West Country phoned up, can you do a live TV interview? Then BBC phoned up, can you do a live TV interview? And I hadn't even told anybody I was chair of the trust. So that was the start. And of course, um, it was during the administration period, um, which was a terrible time for the club. And many heroes emerged with, with people like the Green Taverners, Sue Pollard and others supporting the club and the people that weren't getting paid. Then we had Kevin Heaney trying to buy the club and Peter Ridsdale. I could tell you quite a few stories about Peter Ridsdale, but that may be for another time. And eventually in, in, in uh, October 2011, James Brent took over the club and uh, we were on our way. But it was a bumpy ride for quite a few years until um, Simon Hallett changed the fortunes of the club to where we are now. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get on to another time. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna jump onto a, a my Argyle life, myself and Sam, and yourself, Graham, uh, in the future. So I'm sure people will be interested in that one, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about Peter Risdale uh, later on. But before we preview this Saturday's fixture away at Ryan Lowe's Preston, let's discuss a few things that have happened during the international break. Joe's appeal for new lyrics to the Alley 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 chant have been answered as Darren Way has left us for uh, Danny Mayer and Ryan Broome's Fleetwood Town to become assistant manager. Does anybody have any thoughts on his departure? It's mainly a question for Joe, this one, but he's not here, so... Um, I think, to be honest, I don't really know a lot a lot about him as a person, only only really got a new with him as a manager from his time at Yeovil, and it seemed a bit of a coup to get somebody who'd been so recently a football league manager to come and, and run our under-18 team. And he, he, was sort of, he was there quite a few years, probably longer than maybe some people thought, thought he would remain there. Um... Obviously, the under-18s have, have produced some good players who've been integrated well into the team in the recent years. Obviously, you know, I don't, I, I won't pretend to be an expert on how much of that was down to him and how much of that was down to, uh, you know, Kevin Nance, who had head of player development and, and other people and just the general improvements in, in professionalism around the club. I'm sure he, he certainly played his part. Um, the youth team have got some good results in recent years as well. And I've got a sacker coming through as well. And... Um, Will Jenkins Davies out on loan, hopefully, you know, with the view of coming back and, and a couple of others who could potentially make it as well, Caleb Roberts. So I think it's, um, you've certainly said it for a number of reasons, the youth system's in a better place than it's been in, in quite a number of years. And I'm sure he, he's at least some part to do with that. But I guess um, for him now, he's got that chance to to work in league football again. I know that he's very good friends with, with Lee Johnson, who's just put a point at, at uh, Fleetwood, I think they were each other's best men at their weddings, I think I, I saw the other day. So um, clear, clearly they've obviously got a very close friendship, close working relationship. So yeah, I, I do wish him well at Fleetwood. And, and the words wishing well at Fleetwood aren't words I ever really thought I'd say a, a few years ago. But with him, Danny Mayer and Ryan Broom, I think I'd be girlish not to. Yeah, I think I'm just glad that we don't have to hear that pugwash music again. Well, maybe until next year, but we'll see. Um, Connor Hazard spent his break jet-setting across the globe with Northern Ireland, playing backup as Bailey, to Bailey Peacock Farrell, who's on loan at UA Rosler's AGRF Argus or something, currently sit fifth in the Danish Superliga. Uh, Dan, surely he's done enough already this season to be serving of some minutes with Northern Ireland. 
Well, it, it's tricky because, you know, in time it might well be that he um, loses his place in the team to Mike Cooper and therefore it's going to be more difficult for him to justify a starting spot for Northern Ireland. But um, without having seen a lot of Bailey Peacock Farrell uh, this season, um, I know that he had a bit of a kind of period of seeming a bit, you know, a bit kind of flappy um, for at times, um, which uh, made some people doubt whether he was kind of international standard. But, you know, it, it's, yeah, it, it, it's difficult and I'm not going to kind of say that Peacock Farrell's terrible and, and Hazard should definitely be ahead of him. Um, but he's certainly going to give their manager something to think about if he keeps up these excellent performances for us. His, uh, his dad's nice, isn't he, Sam? Apparently. Yes, yes, indeed. We um, are in the, yeah, for the Shepherd Wednesday Cup game in November 2011, uh, sort of boring story of the day for you here. Um, 20, one of the 2011? Last... Did I say 2011? Peter Peacock Farrell was like 12 in 2011, I think. <laughs> I, must, I, I, I meant to say 2021. I misspoke. Yeah, so I think I got 2011 on the brain after what Graham said earlier. But yeah, in 2021, in the um, Wednesday Cup game, yeah, one of the one of the lads who we were travelling up with um, was very good friends with um, the infamous Tango from Sheffield Wednesday, who um, obviously travels to England games home and away. Uh, and we we were basically invited into the Sheffield Wednesday Social Club, which apparently was a bit like having the the red carpet rolled out for you. There's not many away fans who get invited in there. And yeah, in there, in there was Baby Peacock Farrell's dad. We had a bit of a chat uh, with him about how how well he was doing at that time. He, that was a bit of a breakout season for him. And uh, yeah, he's obviously not gone on to really push on since as much as as much as Cooper has and a couple of others have who were breaking through at that time. But uh, yeah, clearly, a, clearly a decent keeper. I don't know about Tango, but this is definitely a tangent. Um, that's a good one. I didn't even oh, write that yeah. down. Um, still no work permit for Bundu, who wasn't part of Sierra Leone's fixtures over the break. Is there any worry that he doesn't get a permit at all, John? Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to speculate because I just have absolutely no idea what's going on with that. I mean, the club have said it's all in regular order, haven't they? Um, although I don't know, does this mean he's not cleared for the? Unlikely to be cleared for the Preston game because I believe that Sam has a prediction where he comes on and scores twice on debut a la Sam Cosgrove after getting a similar amount of stick from our fans on social media when he signed for being seemingly rubbish. So Yeah, that prediction could be in jeopardy. I think you'd have to be registered by, um, by I think it's either 12pm or 5pm the day before. It's 12pm uh, on Friday is the deadline time. Yeah, 12pm. 12, 12 Thanks, Graham. So I don't know how that would work legally in the grey area of could, could we in theory register him without a work permit and, and then, you know, subject to the work permit coming in or or could be only formally registered after he's got one. I'm, I'm not entirely sure on how the technicalities of it would work. But yeah, even, even in the even in the latter scenario, we've still only got, you know, two working days for that to get confirmed, haven't we? So unless it has just been confirmed and the club haven't announced it, I guess, which is always a possibility. But yeah, as, as, as far as we know, until we hear any otherwise, you, you wouldn't be in contention for the press as well, I guess. Okay. I would just observe that the club have been pretty quiet for the last week or so during the international break. I think Shuey's been away for a few days. In terms of the permit, because of his the number of international games he's played, there's no reason why the permit won't be granted because he's of the right calibre. I wouldn't be surprised if we find out at the press conference tomorrow that everything's OK. But just because you haven't heard doesn't mean that it's not. We like to. We prefer to panic, Graham. We prefer 
panic. That's yeah, what. I, but I'm an older and wiser head. I don't do. I don't do panic. I do considered thinking. I think no, you, you won't fit in very well on this pod, then, Graham. No, I'm, I'm finding that out already. <laughs> Uh, on the lines of uh, considered thinking and, and not panicking, obviously, it's another season where we won't pick up the St. Luke's Devon Challenge Cup after a 3-0 defeat to uh, Biddeford. Any any um, worries about that, Graham? No more silver. No, very, very young team, really young youngsters. There was a couple of um, known players. But, no, I mean, to be fair, Biddeford have always been a robust team in that league and very physical and strong as against a team of youngsters probably an expected outcome yeah somebody mentioned it on twitter about potentially seeing like a galloway or gillespie appearance but i don't think that that would have been the the wisest decision anyway should we move on to preston then that's basically why we're here isn't it our first podcast back since the reboot discussed stephen schumacher's contract extension until 2027 meaning that this current incarnation of the of voices never got to speak in great lengths about ryan Lowe. um before we preview this one sam why don't you run us through your thoughts on mr Lowe and his move to preston um yeah look i i think it's easy that we can just say stuff that will we'll get clipped up and, and we'll go well on social media and i think you know that would be the easy well. thing to do but i i want to try and, and, and give a considered assessment um if, if i may Look, I, I don't particularly like he, the way he comes across. I don't really like his public persona. Um, and to be fair, this is not just the thing since he left us. Even when he was at Argyle, I, I, I was saying that. I think he's um, quite, you know, quite, quite brash, quite arrogant in, in the way he comes across at times. Um, and I think he's often very much more about promoting himself than promoting the collective. Schumacher, in a sense, I think is the total opposite of that. I think he's much calmer. So much more considered uh, person, um, somebody who really tries to um, you know bring up other people and take the focus off himself. Um, so, so am, am I? Am I? You know, glad that we have Schumacher over Low. Absolutely, because quite aside from all I've, all I've said, I think he's a much better manager as well. Um, but and I, and I think the way that Low left and some of the uh, you know, shall we say, um, you know, tasteless comments he made about oh, it was such an easy decision. They had no identity till till we got there. He really really let himself down with those comments. And I think that's why so many fans got their backs up at him and, and will have their backs up at him on Saturday. Um, I'll, I'll try and give a positive assessment of, of his time as manager because there's no denying whatsoever that his time as manager was more positive than negative. You know, for sure, he, he arrived when we had about 10 players, on, if that, on our books in, in, in the sort of early to middle part of June. And then he, and he left, you know, not two and a half years later with us top of League One. So you, you can't argue with the job he did. Um yeah, that, that first season uh, in League Two started slowly. I think in, in October, even early November, we were still sort of in upper mid-table, but we had that good run into the playoffs, um, followed by the really good run in January, which sort of ensconced us firmly into the top three. And then obviously the season ended with the you know freak event of, of COVID. And and frankly, we just had really hit form at the right the right time and um and 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 had motored our way into the top three. Obviously, who knows how that season would have gone. If, if it had run its course, I, I think we'd have been absolutely fine to go up. I think we were we were really just coming coming right in the form. Um, I think we would have gone up maybe even as champions, but um, obviously we'll never know. That second season behind closed doors was a, a bit of a bit of a, a bit of a tough one in, in the sense that I think he and, and and Lowe himself will be the first to admit that we got our transfer strategy a bit awry. We kind of front loaded the team quite heavily with attacking players and were sort of left with with, with low knees. Would you say would you say that was more of a like a six out of ten transfer window? 
<laughs> well, that was a, a five out of ten at best, more like a four. Um, anyway, um, yeah, we we didn't do, you know, we we did well enough. We had we had a good run, and we were, you know, mid table in January, February. But then we had a sort of really really dire final third of the season, and and in, and in the end, only stayed up by about you know six or seven points, whatever it was. Um, and then and then fair play to Ryan Lowe over the summer. He he and Duke Slip sat down, and they clearly identified exactly what. Well, the problem was that we didn't have enough grit, enough experience in defence, enough sort of know-how, physicality. We went and brought in Wilson, Scar, Gillespie, Galloway and completely remedied that. Um, and it was an absolutely joyous first. Sam, unfortunately, mm-hmm. though, we did lose Will Ameson, Frank Newblay and Ben Reeves, which as all, yes. good, lower, <laughs> as all, as all good lower league pundits speaking that summer new definitely was always going to condemn us to relegation to lose yes. such an outstanding trio of League One players. Yes, for, for, for Graham, who may not be aware of that joke in the listeners, that was what a a very popular um, lower league podcast, which we won't name, said of our chances in the summer of 2021, that we were going to be disadvantaged by losing AC Reeves and, and Nublay, which very much was not the case. But yeah, and, and then he left. I think realistically, I, I fully expected he would go as soon as a decent job came up up north and Obviously, I wasn't really proven wrong, but I, he, he did leave. And and then, well, and then, the, then the rest of his history, the Schumacher era came after that. So, look, my, my assessment of it would be, um, I, I, I'm thankful to him for, for a lot of things. But the thing I'm most thankful to him for is bringing Stephen Schumacher to the club because he brought Schumacher here as assistant manager. And goodness me, I don't think for a minute Lowe would have got us anywhere close to 101 points last season of all due respect to him. So, um, yeah, good manager for us. Um not somebody who I particularly like the cut of his jib very well, not someone who I think conducted himself very well in the way that he left in a number of ways, but above all else, the man who brought Stephen Schumacher to Argyle, and for that, he for that he deserves our thanks to an extent. Yeah, John, it's obviously been nearly two years since uh, Lowe left before we uh, before we get onto the game itself. Uh, how how do Messrs Schumacher and Lowe compare for you? Um, I don't know how how Sam and others feel about this, but I um sort of think when we look back on this, sorry, era or chapter in Argyle history, it, it sort of does feel to me like the Lowe slash Schumacher era. It sort of feels like a bit of a package. Feels like there's a bit of continuity there. I mean, the, the decisive kind of break with a sort of past where failure was clearly too tolerated at the club, where we were by no means for all that period, but sort of seemed to get sucked into downward spirals too often. The, the decisive break with that seemed to me to come, you know, in the summer of 2019 when we bought in low, which was, you know, at the time a very, very ambitious appointment for a league two club. Obviously he was a very highly rated young manager at the time. I believe he'd just taken a very cash strapped berry side up uh, to league one prior to them going out of business. Um, and and yeah, so I think I think that was sort of a, a statement of you know we are going to go out and hire a, a very highly rated young manager with with a sort of clear philosophy. We're going to start playing a certain way. And so I think it's only fair to say that while I completely agree with Sam that Schumacher is a better manager than Lowe, both temperamentally and tactically, um, and I think we'll we'll go on to have the better managerial career. Lowe is a very good manager. Um, clearly laid down some of the. Uh, foundations uh, on which you know Schumacher was able to build. It wasn't like Schumacher, unlike Lowe, was taking over a team that had just been relegated. He was taking over a team that, at the time, were were you know if not top of um, League One, then then very close to it. I think maybe in the top five or six by that point after after a couple of defeats in Lowe's final league games in charge. But um, yeah, Schumacher obviously came in 
to a club with with positive momentum, whereas Lowe came into a club that I don't necessarily want to say had negative momentum. I mean, obviously we had just been relegated, but I think there was a sense that it was going to be a fresh start that season and that we would probably look quite strong for that league, whoever our manager was. But, you know, still to sort of turn us around from the from the complete catastrophe and underperformance of, of what we could have achieved at the previous season was um, he did really, really well. It's compared to two... Um, yeah, I think it's a you know story of similarities and differences, right? On the one hand, you can see kind of similarities in their in their style of play. Um, no surprise, you know, in that, given that they worked together so closely for you know that I think Lowe's entire managerial career until he went to Preston. Um, but I think that Schumacher's teams are a bit more. It's a funny thing to say because Schumacher seems a bit more kind of sophisticated than Lowe as a character, um, in my opinion. But his teams are a bit more pragmatic, I think. I think we I think some of us noticed actually that after Lowe left and Schumacher came in in that first season, uh well first half season that Schumacher was at the wheel, we actually sort of, for all his um reputation for sort of nice crisp passing out from the back football, did play maybe a bit longer sometimes in games than we had done under Lowe. I think that Schumacher is a less as well, certainly, you know, so far in his managerial career, which isn't a huge sample size to go off, but so far in his managerial career, has been a less streaky manager than Ryan Lowe, who was streaky both for us. I think he's been quite streaky at Preston as well. Um, I think that's a testament more than anything to the fact that Schumacher just, you know, knows how to set a team up maybe that bit better than Lowe, certainly knows how to turn games around better than Lowe. Um, and obviously, it was quite a remarkable statistic last season that we went, uh, you know, so many the whole season. I think without um, losing back to back games, obviously that's not something that that Lowe is really uh, really known for. Um, and 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 yeah, and I think also as Sam noted the way they handle themselves in the media, um, Lowe more cocky and, and brash, and Schumacher a bit more sort of reserved and and self effacing um, is. is obviously a very clear comparison um i think you know to just summarize you asked me to compare the two i went to the evening with Stephen schumacher at home park on the on the cusp of the season and surely in lower friends and low certainly spoken recently about how they you know wish their kids happy birthday and still text every day or whatever but i thought there were a couple of little digs that schumacher did make in Lowe's direction um maybe i'm breeding too much into it but the one i most enjoyed probably the comment i, I most enjoyed on the whole night actually was um when Schumacher said something along the lines of, you know, unlike Ryan, who has an amazing talent for trusting his gut, uh, I actually have to rely on on data, um, which I thought was, uh, you know, an, an extraordinarily backhanded compliment, <laughs> if ever I've heard one. Um, yeah, and probably and probably does actually speak to to a reality of of difference between the two in terms of you know attention to detail. You listen to that Schumacher uh, Q and A session that evening. You listen to him speak generally, and it's really really clear that this club is so fine-tuned at the moment in terms of um you know using uh, uh, contracted data analytics and and really kind of looking um in very fine-grained detail at the types of signings that we're going to make um under law i'm not saying none of that was in place i'm certainly not saying that's not in place at preston now mostly because i have no idea but yeah he did he did always seem to be a kind of more trusty gut type manager and i think in the modern game that's probably going to get you less far overall than than being someone who is that you know tuned in and clued into much more sophisticated performance indicators um not that that of course can get you everywhere as well so yeah i think that's that's probably the difference between the main difference between the two as i i see it yeah so far only two questions in you and sam have given me some great snippets that i can't wait to edit down 
and take completely out of context and have Preston fans shouting at you on Twitter. Uh, which is I love to be I love to be shouted out on Twitter. So. You do, you do, especially after your Bazunu uh, calamity claims. I'm going to swap these two questions around and I'm going to ask uh, Graham the one about Ridsdale. So I uh, completely forgot your name there, Dan. Sorry, mate. Cheers, mate. <laughs> you know, you've seen you you've seen a few managers in your time following Argyle. Where where does Lowe rank for you, and and does his departure ruin any of his success with us at all? Definitely. I I don't think his departure does. I mean, obviously, as Sam said, it's more the comments he made after his departure that that were kind of the um, thing that sticks in the throat for Argyle fans. I think he he ranks pretty highly. I think you can't kind of deny just kind of looking at it on a kind of statistical level, Paul Sturrock technically only got us, well, especially technically only got us one promotion, but then technically didn't relegate us either. So, you know, you could you could argue that one either way. Obviously, Derek Adams got us one, but then took us back down. And obviously, Ian Holloway had, had some great times with him, but then he left in, in a very kind of not, not the best, not in the best terms, let's say. So I think all of the, you know, really great managers we've had in my time supporting the club, yeah, it's, it's it's not all been you know kind of perfect, you know. Um, so, Aaron, Aaron is furious at a major, major um, emission from your list. Huge emission. You can see him glaring from behind his. Uh, you're forgetting, uh, you're forgetting the man that kept us in the football league, Dan. But don't worry about it. Yeah, Carl. Carl well, Fletcher. yeah, Carl Fletcher. I was going to say <laughs> that's yeah, and didn't see Shez coming in when we had one point from nine games. Anyway, um, he was. I think, look, I, I I adored a lot of the Derek Adams era, so I'm perhaps not kind of, I wasn't as over the moon when he was sacked. Obviously, it was the right thing to do, and it was it he completely burned his bridges with us, um, and we needed that change. But he his tenure created so many just wonderful memories for me, and I think probably as a circumstance of the fact that you know things out of our control, you know, COVID meant that we didn't quite have that same, were able to kind of create those same memories um, in Lowe's tenure. That said, we did have some some brilliant results, a promotion um, and a, a, a behind-closed-doors season that whilst on the whole was, it, it was, was very mixed because ultimately, you know, the, the objective was to stay up and we did stay up, but... There were a there were a lot of pretty dire games um, watching on the telly, you know, through, throughout that period. Um, tactically, I think low. It, it was quite innovative, you know. This whole kind of basically almost playing without fullbacks or wingbacks. I know they were kind of referred to as wingbacks, but they were kind of very much kind of pushed high up the pitch, almost as wide midfielders a lot of the time, which is something that you know I, I can't think of any manager you know that we've had that's that's done that before. And it was a you know a reasonable, reasonable style of play. But I think it will. It's just kind of been eclipsed by the incredible stuff that Schumacher has done uh, since he's come in and taken over. Because as good as I think Lowe was and is tactically, um, I think Shuey is more proactive. Um, I think he is less kind of set in his ways in terms of you know how many managers would having come off the back of a 101 point season go right we're going to scrap the three of the back system and now we're going to go to four at the back for our for our championship season you know that's the kind of level of of detail and of thought that Schumacher's putting into this whereas I think you know I to be honest I think if Lowe um 
had well we saw it low got us promoted and 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 stuck with um stuck with the kind of 3142 that he liked to play which you know was a was a system that that obviously kind of worked more than it didn't so i'm not going to criticize it too much but um it's it's a little bit yeah i, I just think that level of kind of proactivity uh, tactically um that shuey has puts him and puts him a grade above low i would agree with much of what dan said um as far as I'm concerned, from what I've seen over the last near enough two years at Shuey's, been at the wheel, as it were, we are in the presence of probably somebody that will be regarded as Argyle's best ever manager for all sorts of reasons. I mean, uh, Paul Starrett, Mark One, deserves all the accolades because he had a set way of playing home and away. And it was very successful. And it was a fabulous team spirit that he engendered. Um, I put Ryan Lowe on par with Ian Holloway. He's the sort of Pied Piper gut response type manager, so-called motivator, but has to rely on somebody as an assistant manager. And it's quite notable with Ryan Lowe's success at Preston, and it is a success. Um, Mike Marsh is probably the equivalent to what Shuey was at, at uh, when Ryan Lowe was at uh, Argyle. So with Shuey, I mean, as, as Dan alluded to, we we had a fantastic season last year playing some great football. Who would have thought that you'd go from the system we played to the 4-3-3 we play now? And, and I know it's early days, but the evidence of the first five or six games has been incredible. That transformation to get that group of players with incomers too, to switch to that formation at such a level is a remarkable on-grass coaching achievement. Um, and nobody should underestimate it. Some of the free-flowing movement, the interchanging of, position, of positions. Uh, I read that um, Arteta at Arsenal said that he made 53 tactical changes during the game uh, against Man City. And if you look at Shuey, he's always adjusting. All the players are always moving and adjusting. And if you look at KKH, he appears on the other side of the pitch. You think, what the hell is he doing there? And then you realise how other players have just slipped into that position naturally. And it's it's a remarkable, free-flowing, energetic, high-press and hugely entertaining approach, which none of us expected at championship level. Obviously, you know, it's a long season ahead and, and Saturday's game will be a big test for us for all sorts of reasons because Preston are top, top on merit because they've won four and drawn one. But comparing Shuey and, and Lowe, um, Shuey is a thinker. Um, he, the data analytics that he's embraced has improved us immeasurably. Um, Ryan Lowe is a gut manager, as I said, a motivator. In the long run, Shuey's approach will prevail. It's the right thing for Argyle to adopt, and I'm just loving it. And and if you compare the two as characters, yeah, Ryan Lowe can be shooting at the mouth, but Shuey's just the most humble, humility, respectful, and the bit I really love about him is he gets the city, he loves the city, and that's something that 
with the exception of Paul Sturrock, perhaps, and to the extent Derek Adams, other managers don't do. They seem to be passing through onto somewhere else. But with Shuey, he wants to be here. He knows he can build something really, really good. And we're on the pathway to doing that. Yeah, so is it not only uh, Ryan Lowe we face off against uh, Peter Risdale too, not the, not the greatest legacy in football after his stint at Leeds, but Graham, how do we assess his time with us? Obviously, you, you might be best placed to answer this one, but we well, owe him uh, some thanks, right, for keeping us alive? Um, yeah, I mean, interesting. I mean, he suddenly appeared for a walking holiday that miraculously ended up at, in Plymouth. Um, but I think he was invited by Paul Stapleton to see how they could help get out the ridiculous financial situation they were in. He clearly saw it as an opportunity. Um, and it clearly, in his eyes, we were going to go into administration. He organised Brendan Guilfoyle as the administrator who he'd worked with before and saved, I think it was Bradford Balls and I think it might have been Huddersfield. And he saw it as an opportunity. And, <clears throat> I mean, it... As, as, I, to be honest, I quite liked him as a person. He was very personable. He listened, um, but it was all about him. Um, I would always say, I, it, when we had meetings with him in, as part of the trust and the contingency group, I would sit next to him and he would always have two Blackberries. And if you remember, Blackberries were the forerunner of iPhone, the iPhone, I think. Why would anybody have two Blackberries? Why do you need two? And he'd leave one on the desk and he'd be making a call outside and coming back. And there was always a level of distrust about his intentions. And yes, he saw it as an avenue to take over a football club and restore his um, position in the game. But in truth, Argyle wouldn't have been saved without what he did. Because once James Brent had, had was the preferred bidder eventually after the Heaney fiasco that Ridsdale was aligned to. Um, he worked tirelessly with the PFA and the FA to get the five-year payback deal agreed by all parties. And without that, our goal would not have been saved. James Brent could not have done the deal with the City Council. And then he played a part in getting 300 signatures because all the, cred the, the football creditors had to agree. And if one didn't agree, then the whole deal might have fallen apart. I think one was even in prison. They had to get his signature in prison. So um, it was a tremendous task. It was done within four weeks. It was a four-week period. And then, um, obviously, James Brent acquired the club, wasn't um, a football man, so he did rely on Peter Ridsdale, who called himself Director of Football Operations, whatever that means. And, and <clears throat> But... As soon as um, I think Hemmings gave him the call, can you come and sort Preston out? He was off. And well, he's done what he's done at Preston. You know, they, they've been a sustained championship club for a while, now the top of the table. Um, but yeah, I mean, you wouldn't trust him as far as you could throw him. But he did play a major part in saving Argyle. And if I, if I, I'm unlikely to see him on Saturday, but if I did, I would thank him because it's the behind-the-scenes work that he um, did. And I know James Brent would be the first to say how he helped him in the football matters, which was 
crucial you're getting the players and the football creditors on side. Yeah, like we said um, previously, we'll, we'll jump in and do a deep dive with yourself about, uh, I'm sure you've got plenty more stories to uh, to tell us about your time uh, with the Fans Trust and uh, in company of the likes of uh, Risdale and Co. You forgot to add in the break, didn't you? Should we call that a break? <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Preston themselves have invested heavily, or, you know, for them at least, over the summer. Any thoughts on their additions, John? Uh, Well, I think they did not include Tom Cannon in the end, um, which I would imagine Lowe was kind of waiting the whole summer to see if he could get him back after he was so good on loan there from Everton up front at the back end of last season, but he ended up going... I can imagine that Lowe despised the idea of getting £8 million to Everton, to be honest. Yeah, I I can imagine that. He's not uh, not sure he is. He's trying to remind myself where Cannon went in the end. Leicester, of course, that was right, because he was linked linked with a a variety of clubs uh, in the final week of the, the transfer window. Uh, yeah, in terms of their other business, um, I think who they who they signed to be honest, I mean it's not it wasn't a hugely memorable uh, transfer window, even though they did bring in a number of players and we're going to try and pull it up now. I mean, Will Keane, off the top of my head, has obviously had a very good start to the season, and I think maybe a bit deceptively for a player who played for a team that went down last season, has maybe not had a particularly amazing career at Championship level. Um, for the system that they seem to play is a handful up front. I think it's probably a very very solid. Um, championship goalkeeper signed Dwayne Holmes I think from Huddersfield which I wasn't a huge fan of as a piece of business to be honest but he has apparently been really good in these first weeks of the season I think he's a very good player very good player Holmes yeah he's alright I'm not a huge fan of his to be completely honest but so far this season proving me wrong um, the other one that seems worth mentioning is this uh, this guy Mads Frukier Jensen who is very highly rated even though I don't know uh, an enormous amount about him, but came in for a pretty decent um, transfer fee. And I can't really think of anyone they lost apart from Cannon. And Liam, Liam Delap. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, Delap, yeah, Delap had been there on loan, right? Was that where he was last season? Was he, or was he? Some of the time, I think he was, yeah. Yeah, he had a pretty disastrous um, season last last year on loan in the Championship, Delap, but has um, started very well at uh, Hull this time around. Um, I'm trying to remember what what happened to Dilap. I think he had two loan spells. Yeah, so you're right, Preston. Yeah, um, one goal in 15 games this year. He had been at Stoke in the first half of the season and not done an enormous amount better in terms of goals registered. Um, Daniel Johnson, of Stoke. Daniel Johnson went there from Preston. You know, at the age of 106 or whatever he is now, for the player who feels like he's been playing for Preston North End literally forever, um, and is probably about 27 after I said that. But um, yeah, I don't know. Um, wouldn't say it was a game-changing transfer window for them, and I'm sure we'll come on to this, but I think their league position is 
uh, false at the moment, but, you know, a pretty solid one, um, given the resources they have, which are not, you know, earth shattering for for the level. Um, I just want to do one last quickly on the subject of transfer windows. Uh, since, since the last time we recorded the second tier podcast, our enlightened friends there ranked our goals transfer windows, the second best in the entire championship and there and the uh, two hosts individual best signings in the entire league were respectively Morgan Whitaker and Bally Mumba. So Sam, I was just wondering if you would stick with your six out of 10 analysis for our transfer business over the summer. I, th- I think, I, I think that you'd already more or less talked me into seven, <laughs> haven't you? Um, right. I think you'd already more or less taught me into seven. I'm sticking with seven just because of the lack of um, possibly an out and out striker. If the re- reports that Bundu's more of a winger are true. They were very excited by uh, the signing of, of Bundu, which I'm sure was based on an encyclopedic knowledge of his game and having seen him play over the last several years. Of course. Oh, so you're done. Yeah, I can keep going <laughs> if you want. I can do a whole bit on Will Keane if you want, but um, the divine ponytail or the divine top knot, maybe. I would just like to say, John, as well, that um, they took off Frukier Jensen at halftime uh, in their last game away at Stoke and brought Holmes on. And uh, when it was nil-nil, and Holmes got an assist for one of the goals, and they won two-nil. So make of that what you will. Dived and won a penalty. Was or was that the week before? He won an extremely dubious penalty in one of the last two games, for absolutely for sure. Do we know whether Will Keane is actually playing? Because I thought he was injured. Well, he scored twice for them in the last game, and, and yeah, I think he got injured on international duty. Oh, you mean on on Saturday? Yeah, I, oh, I didn't see. I didn't see that. No. But you're not watching Ireland games. That could be offensive. He could be from Northern Ireland. I don't know. Not watching England games either, to be fair. So. One of them. Um, yeah, fair enough. The identity famously left behind by Ryan Lowe has changed somewhat under Schumacher. You've done already done a bit of a tactical deep dive, Dan, so I won't ask you to go over that. Uh, obviously, especially this season, reverting to a back four. Uh, how do you see our trip to Deepdale going? Well, for, I, I'm not sure, but I I was thinking about what I would potentially see us doing. And um, whilst I would keep the, you know, don't I don't think we need to go too, too radical. Um, I would perhaps um, tweak uh, what we normally do and play a double pivot uh, in front of the back four rather than a, a kind of single holding midfielder and the two higher up. The reason for that being is that um, Preston mainly this season under low by the looks of it um, are kind of playing the the Schumacher system from last season, the kind of 3-4-2-1 um, with those two attacking midfielders behind a front man. Um, so if we did play that single guy in there, I think they could kind of, you know, they, they could overwhelm us in that area. So I think playing a double pivot in there and trying to kind of man mark um, I suspect it will be Holmes and, and Alan Brown. Um, so to kind of play two players in there, man mark them out of the game, hopefully, and then have the one guy kind of kind of um, sitting further forward um, and and you know uh, linking with linking with the forward players um, is perhaps you know the the way I'd go. Um, in terms of personnel, probably um, probably Houghton and, and Randall in there. Um, I think. You know, Kundal and Azaz have done a very, very good job uh, over previous weeks um, in terms of being, you know, creative outlets, getting us up the pitch. Um, but I think, yeah, if, if uh, to, to play that double pivot, I think I'd rather have Randall in there alongside Houghton um, in terms of, you know, receiving the ball from a goalkeeper or defender, um, playing on the turn back to goal and then and then getting us up the pitch. Um, I think... Um, 
we'll have to go there and show them a little bit of respect given their you know given their record and given their start to the season um i don't think we need to kind of sit into a really kind of negative low block but i i i it's another one of those as i've said before on the pod i just kind of trust schumacher to do the right thing really you know it's it's not yeah we all kind of you know have said in the past you know i can't believe this manager's not doing this and this manager's not doing that and it's and it's very easy to say that and you obviously say it with the knowledge that they're professionals and you're not but right now it's just it's just that complete trust in in Schumacher that will do the right thing. He might not, you know, he, he might we'll, we we might play four three three and we might win and it you know and it will work. Basically, he'll see it before basically anyone else does. Um, so yeah, but looking forward to it. Should be a really really good game. Atmosphere will I have little doubt be fantastic. Um, I'm not sure Sam will probably know roughly how many tickets we've sold at this point. We'll, we'll but... get onto that. We'll get onto that. Right. Okay. You know, Sorry. You know nearly stole, you know nearly stole another no question. No preempting questions. No preempting yeah. errors. <laughs> we're pretty. We're pretty good at that normally. Um, yeah. And and my uh, yeah my first away game of the season and I can't wait. Yeah. Before we get on to uh, obviously that one. Um, I'll come back to you, Graham. Actually, you know, you've, you've already mentioned it. Preston sitting, or surprisingly sitting, top of the championship. Do you, do you see us having enough to to knock them off that perch? Well, it's a question of how bold we want to be. And I remember we tried to be bold against Sheffield Wednesday last season. It didn't quite work. But I think the four three three is based on pace and energy and. I would rely on pace and energy to win the game. And, and, and in terms of the, the back four, it depends. I, I don't think Preston have got a sort of target man approach. So do you need Dan Scar? Would Plaguey be better at sort of playing the football, coming out with the ball, spreading it wide like he did it at, in the last home game? I would think about Mikkel Miller at, at left back because of his pace, him and Barley Mumba down that left-hand side being an irresistible combination. Um, I, I'd like him to be bold and attacking because that's our forte. Um, whether he will be on, you know, he wouldn't want to lose the game. That's, but I would take a point now. But I don't necessarily think we have to sit 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 back I would like us to go right out at him with pace, with energy. And I think Luke Condal is probably the best place to do that. His energy in the middle, the ball recovery. The, I think the game is going to be won and lost in the middle of the pitch. And who has the ball the most, who recovers the ball the most, and you, who uses the ball the most. In terms of fitness, I'm pretty sure we're as fit as anybody. We, last season we came on strong every game and this season we've more or less done the same. So if we can keep the energy levels up, the kilometres in the legs, I think we've got a good chance of winning it. And, and not many people, not, not many teams in the Championship play with such wide players as Barley and um, Morgan absolutely stuck on the, on the touchline, very much like Man City did pre- pre-Harland, with Ryan Hardy running those channels. It, it's a different way, and I'm not sure Preston would have faced that type of football yet. I'm optimistic, obviously. I don't want to come away with a defeat. 
and I'd settle for a draw. But I just want us to be bold. And if we're bold and play with energy and take our chances, and we've been really good at taking our chances so far this season, then I think we could nick it and I'd love it. Yeah, Sam, do you subscribe to the the idea that certain players will have a point to prove, you know, like a Dan Scar and, a, and maybe a Joe Edwards, you know, against uh, after Lowe's departure? Um, maybe. I don't know about point to prove because I think in, in the sense that um, Lowe brought them into the into the football club. And again, to, to, to be, to, you know, to be fair to Lowe, to give credit where due, he pretty much revived the careers of both of them. It's easy to forget that Joe Edwards has been released by a side who'd just been relegated into League Two in Warsaw. So they, they they were relegated um, along with us, I think, that season, weren't they? So um, in, in the 08, in the, uh, again, 08 or 9, in the 18 and 19 season, they were relegated with us and then Joe Edwards was released. So it's easy to forget he, he wasn't wanted for League Two and not only was he good in League Two, he was good in League One and now, he, now he's more than holding his own in the Championship. So it's, yeah, it's... Um, Low pretty much revived the careers of, of some of them, or at least Argyle did as a club. So I don't know about point to prove. Yes, look, we've all we've all said what we think about about some of the comments he made. Whether that will really rile up the players in the same way, I, I I'd like to think it would. Don't get me wrong, but I don't really think they're probably that invested in the in the fan warfare, if you like. I think to them it will be a another game to an extent, but um, obviously they'll be desperate to win. Frank, 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 Newblay and Will Ameson will be very fired up. I'm hearing. Yeah, they, they will. Well, whilst we've got you, Sam, have you got your costume ready for Saturday? A few on social suggesting that there's going to be a fancy dress theme. Uh, uh, no, well, we'll keep within the grounds of legality and good taste, and I will absolutely not be wearing any fancy dress. No. Why not? <laughs> Next question. <laughs> obviously, obviously, the atmosphere at uh, Stadium MK shortly after Lowe's departure was. Was fantastic. Do you, do you think it'll be more of the same, John, on Saturday? Um, I I don't know. Um, or better. No, I think I think that that those of us who travelled to that MK Dons away game, it was sort of a weird confluence of factors of quite a small group, and therefore everyone was sort of banded together in the cold, singing. It was just after Low left, so there was that kind of fresh animosity and sort of bunker spirit to it uh and also crucially stadium mk had about six home fans in it so you could <laughs> uh you know hear us loud and clear from the away and as was also the case last season um because they are the, the smallest club in the country um and on, and on sky and the, the slow-mos of the the goal celebrations were fantastic but that's yeah with the, the flying fan um who went down the side of the, 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 the sort of seating covers. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that was a moment in time that might not necessarily be um, be replicated. Um, I look for, I, I do want to stress actually, because we were all kind of actually quite complimentary and nice about Ryan Lowe earlier, um, that one of football's great pleasures is Schadenfreude bearing a grudge and, um, you know, being able to take your frustration out on pantomime villains for, an hour and a half or so every Saturday afternoon. And I think Lowe has absolutely earned that status among Argyle fans. And I would hope that he's given within the bounds of legality and good taste, a uh, very hostile reception. Um, you know, as Dan and Sam alluded to earlier, the way he left the club was completely out of line. Um, I think every, pretty much everyone in the fan base would have understood him going to a bigger club and, and going back up North to be nearer his family, given, um, you know, that was clearly 
his ambitions were clearly in that direction at the time, but to to leave with those cheap shots about us basically having no fans and no atmosphere until he came in and no identity, which is obviously something that cuts right to the core of what it means to be a football club and a fan base, um, was gratuitous and nasty. And yeah, and it's our first meeting with him since then. And and I hope um yeah, I hope we give him some some stick. Um that being said, I've seen, you know, in terms of will that happen? Um seen a, a number of comments on social media suggesting that we should bury the hatchet so i'm sure there'll be some who'll try and give him a round of applause so um yeah i guess it depends on the balance of who's in the stadium i, I would imagine that i imagine he will get a pretty um a pretty hostile reception but um I, I think i'm moderating my expectation of just how hostile that'll be down a little bit um you know ultimately there's a great positive energy around our club at the moment i think that's probably the dominant emotion going into the game rather than um rather than hostility. But, you know, if anyone if anyone knows how to um, awaken that hostility, it's Ryan Lowe, and I'm sure an, uh, an insensitive fist pump here or derogatory demeaning comment there would um, get the passions fired right up again. So we'll see. Or, or a run down the touchline towards us when they go 1-0 up. Oh, God. <laughs> and I would get very angry at that. So you're saying less... Um... What's the word? You know me. I, I don't know words, which isn't good Fe- as a host. Let's go with febrile. Animosity uh, of that Leicester away game. Ninety minutes of uh, chanting oh. Holloway. Oh, I didn't. I, I wasn't there, so you'd have to ask. Have to ask Sam for that. I I wasn't there, believe it or not, not for that one. Oh. The similar one, though, the similar comparison would probably be Wolves at the end of that season when, whilst it was nothing to do with the game that we were watching, uh, Leicester obviously got relegated that day and it was non-stop Holloway-related chanting and joy, and despite the fact that we lost the game in the last minute, which was one of the more surreal away games I've been to. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you didn't repeat the chant there. Moving on to a, a Twitter question, and, and to be fair, it was one that I was going to ask anyway, so it just saved me a lot of time because I just screenshotted it. PASC Ryan says, where are the apparent 40,000 fans who have no chance of getting an away ticket, and now they actually have a chance to get them? We're hearing we haven't even hit 2,000 for Preston on Saturday. I don't know who wants that. but I could, If I could take that one first, obviously, anyone else can jump in after. Um, I think it absolutely and totally vindicates the club decision in my opinion, to have a priority tiered system based on points, because How there were a lot we, of. Sorry, do we know it's? Do we know it's true that it's fifteen hundred? I, mean, I have no idea where that figure's come from. Well, I suppose we don't know it's true because the Argyle ticketing account never puts out figures. I don't know why. I think that would actually help sales. But um... I mean, Preston, Preston have an enormous away end, right? I think I'm right in thinking. So it's yeah. very possible that we've sold what what by any other week would be a hell of a lot of away tickets, and we just haven't. Yeah, I, b- I believe we were, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we were only given 2,000 the first uh, allocation and we haven't sold those, so. That makes sense then. And yeah, and I think Argyle would generally would generally make a bit more of a point of picking it up if it was a good number. So, well, we could be totally wrong and maybe we'll turn up there and we've got the total wrong end of the stick and there's, you know, many, many thousands of fans by the way, and I don't think there will be. I think, as they were going to totally vindicates, in my opinion, the decision to go for a ticketing tiered based system because and look before I go into this I don't want this to be taken out of context is this is not in any way a dig or belittling people who don't go to every away game at all that's not what it's intended to be but when you hear comments after the Watford game after the Birmingham game about how oh you know it's the closed shop nobody will ever get any be able to get any tickets ever this is how you get tickets to those games by by going to the sorry sorry say the lesser populate lesser populated away ends like Preston, like Carl in a few weeks' time. And, and I'm sorry, you know, if 
And I know it is a bit further up the road, and I get that, and I know it's it's maybe a longer day, you know, people who are driving. I'm not here to judge. But when people say it's a closed shop and nobody will ever get a chance of going to away games, that's just not the case. Yes, Watford is going to be tough because it, it's relatively local by our, you know, geographically distant standards, and Birmingham for the same reason. This is a game where people, if people want to go and watch Argyle away, absolutely would have had every chance to do so. And, and I kind of think that whilst... Again, not in any way a criticism of people not going. I want to make that clear. But I kind of feel that some of the people who were moaning sort of can't really have their cake and eat it. You can't really moan about it being a close job and moan about priority, but also, you know, not take the chances to go to games when those games are there. So in my opinion, for me, it shows the club should, in my opinion, stick to their guns on having a tiered-based point system. Um, interestingly, I did notice the Bristol City, they they kind of dropped the tier-based tier base point system, whether that's just a one-off for that game or also in the trialling. Look, I don't know. But for me, it says that the, the priority system should be here to stay. And, you know, for the, for the games later in the season that are going to cause a real scramble for tickets, games like West Brom, Cardiff, Swansea even, um, that, that that should be should be here to stay, in my opinion. Is it also worth mentioning that um, Birmingham we probably only sold out because half their stadium was shut. Mm. Like our allocation would have been a hell of a lot more, would it not? Yeah, exactly, 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 Dan. So I think, look, the amount of the amount of games in which the priority tier point system will actually be needed is very few. But for the games in which it will be needed, the likes of West Brom, which is a relatively small away end, the likes of Cardiff, which is a smallish away end and nearby our standards, for those games, the club should should absolutely stick to their guns, in, in my view, yeah. Wherever, wherever they're trialling for Bristol City, um, <clears throat> Sam, I think the ticketing arrangement is likely to culminate in quite a lot of um, distress among the fan base. Yeah, it'll, it'll all end in tears. <laughs> oh, I mean, can, can I can I just say that if we do take 2,000, you've got to bear in mind the coaches are leaving 4.30 in the morning for a seven, eight-hour journey up. That's a pretty remarkable... Oh, yeah, for, for Preston. Sorry, I thought you meant fans. for Bristol then. I was like, I hope they're not. Oh, yeah, go on. Sorry. Yes. So 2,000 fans doing that journey uh, and getting back whatever time. If it wasn't Preston, we'd all say it was a remarkable achievement for the club, you know, like Argyle, to get that many that far. And that's how I see it. Not not everybody's going to go there just to, to have a go at Ryan Lowe. They're going to make their judgment... Um, it'd be interesting. I, I don't know where we sold out for Bristol City yet, but the Preston away in this 5,700 capacity. So we're never, if ever there was a chance for anybody to go, that is it. It's the biggest yeah. away end in the championship. As, as Sam says, the club have got it right. If people want to get points to go to more away games, this is an ideal opportunity, but you've got to travel. Here, here. Without wishing to be pernickety and go all kind of data on that tweet and Sam's response to it, like this is extremely anecdotal, right? The people we're referring to here whinging about not being able to get away tickets is like about 10 people on free chat over the last couple of months who very much could all have bought tickets for Preston the minute they went on general sale, yeah. Um, as far as we know, right? Like I don't necessarily know if we're, I think we should be careful that we're, you know, we're actually characterizing a real phenomenon here rather than you know confirmation bias and, and and what have you so yeah there we go that's my two i'm a ticket scheme as a whole so i'm not sure we actually have covered it properly but um i'm actually for it even though it excludes me from certain games you know as, as a non-season ticket holder that lives away from plymouth i'm actually for a point system for games like you know our exit is at her, uh, away and our 
Bristol City away, etc. But the games that it's for are those close ones, and then we didn't use it at Bristol, and we've not sold out anyway. So, is there any real point in having it at all? I don't know, but maybe that's a discussion for another time. That's pretty much it. Unless anybody's got anything to add on Preston, I mean, we haven't. Have we? Have we discussed their vaunted early season league uh, position very much? I mean, I mentioned that I think it's false. I'm interested to hear what other people think about that, but I don't. I don't particularly fear them going into this one. I have to say, which is not to say I'm going to be uh, hubristic when making my score prediction in a moment necessarily. But um, I don't think the calibre of team they've played so far has been particularly high with the the probable exception of Sunderland, who I think are a really good side, who just had a, a particularly slow start and played Preston during that. But, you know, their underlying data isn't amazing. Um, I think they've played quite a few teams who are, I, I expect, to be down there or to, or to underwhelm, or just teams where they're going to be sort of mid-table sides and, and Preston have just come out on the right side of those. I guess the case against it could be that you might have said the same thing about us when we were top under low in October of um, uh, you know uh, 2021 or 2011, as Sam would call it. Um, uh, and uh, we did manage to actually stick there pretty much until he left. So I don't know if anyone else has a, a thought on that, but um, I'd be curious to hear it. So. I think you can't underestimate the 2-0 away win at Stoke. I mean, I, I think Stoke are rubbish, though, unfortunately. So I do I do underestimate it a bit. Um, get They get hyped up by the same pundits every single year, and every single year they're rubbish. And I'm just not going to accept that they're good until they've proven it to me, I'm afraid. But you might be right. As a former employee of Norwich City Football Club, which I may or may not mention on this pod every week, I'm just a massive fan of Alex Neal and I think he's a great bloke, so I don't want to hear any Stoke-based slander. That's uh, not working for him so far there. He had almost a whole season last year and they were terrible and they're 17th this season so far. He's, he's had his own transfer window where he's basically brought in all of Preston's rejects that he had at Preston. Um, so, you know... I might explain why Preston beat them then. It might go... It might get better. It might get better. It's, 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 it, winning at Stoke is a good result, um, you know, fair, even though I don't think they're very good in, in seriousness, it's a good result, but... Teams will have good results. I mean, it's, I guess the question is: Is this is are Preston sort of looking up really at at a serious playoff push or even something better, which is what their current run of form would indicate, of course, if extrapolated over the course of a season, or is it just a case of a cluster of kind fixtures and a couple of impressive performances against better sides dotted in among it um, that will kind of even itself out when the law of averages takes effect a few more games in. I don't know. I think I personally am leaning towards the latter. Well, look, they're, they're probably not going to win the league, let's be honest. So you could say they are in a false position just based on that. But Yeah, I mean, well, well obviously, obviously, God and the laws of nature have dictated that Ipswich Town will win the league, and as is their uh, birthright. So, I think you mentioned that Ryan Lowe is streaky in his results, and that happened a bit last season. Where he had, Was it last season where he didn't score a goal for... Yeah, our team didn't score a goal for many games. Yeah, they, they scored. They scored one goal in six games and conceded yeah. zero goals in six games. Playing attacking football, as he, as he would say. So, um, I I don't think Preston are, are playoff material. Um, I might be proven wrong when we see them play. Um, I'm I'm hoping for a sort of Leicester type game where we nick it one nil, and I'd be very happy with that. I can see us doing it. To be fair, yeah. is that what you're going for? A one nil win, yeah. A one nil, one nil win. Who are you going for? A three two, which I go on, Graham. No, go on. I was, I was going to ask Graham who, who oh. he was going to predict his goal scorer, Sam. But... Oh, right, Ryan Hardy's score, yeah. Fair enough, Sam. 
I reckon you'll go for like a three-two. Three-two win. Yep, you got it. Spot on. Um, with with Bundu uh, getting the winner, and then Graham will come back in the pod and, and prove that we were right not to not to panic uh, about Bundu's work permit. Yeah. John, do you share those Bundu-based? Um... <laughs> um, oh, I'm really conflicted. I'm really conflicted about it. What I do think is, I think it'll be a tight game one way or another. So I guess I'll sit on the fence and say 1-1. One, one. I could see them doing us over in a similar fashion to what Birmingham did the other week where they didn't really deserve it, but they sort of ground out a win just by having that little extra bit of championship experience and, and quality. Equally, I could see us nicking it. So yeah, I'll go straight. I'll, I'll, I'll split the difference and um, and say 1-1, uh, one, one, which I would be very happy with for the record. Well, Sam said to me in the pub after the Blackburn game that he had a funny feeling that... Um, that we could, we'd be the team that would end Preston's unbeaten run. Like we'll, we'll be oh, there we'll, first we'll, loss. We'll lose then. And like, uh, I just, I, I quite like that. I think that's, um, yeah, that that kind of that sticks with me as well. So I'm, I'll go, I'll go two one win, and um, let's say uh, Whitaker and uh, Callum Wright. Yeah, for for me, it's every time I think we're going to win. We lose. Um, and so I, I tend not to get too positive. And I also know and I appreciate Joe shot me down last week when he said about playing the occasion. We're not very good at playing the occasion as Ala Wembley. Um, yeah, I'm going to predict a 3-0 loss, hoping that that doesn't come true. Is this an occasion, though? I mean, I, it's I not an occasion. It's not an occasion. Wembley wasn't an occasion. Well, I, would argue. Well, I was going to say this game matters, unlike Wembley. So, you know, we got battered at Wembley. So. Well, I'd be yeah. I'd be very surprised. Like I think I think Shuey is the sort of guy who will definitely want to get one on, on, over on his mate. But I don't I don't think that there'll be this kind of burning rival animosity on the players' part. I really don't. I think they'll just approach it as a normal game. Yeah, I hope so. Like they did at Wembley, um, approach it like a normal game, taking selfies an hour before kickoff, um, and getting battered by Ian Everett, um, who's been in the news recently. Should we finish on a quiz? <laughs> um, as long as that has anything to do with Ian Everett, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to quickly turn my camera off. Uh, <laughs> it's a quick, it's a, it's, it's a quick quiz. Oh, I reckon Sam will get them all right. Basically, stolen the the name from the second tier pod. They call it higher or Ryan Low or something. Um, so I've just changed the word higher to Schumacher. So it doesn't really work. Schumacher or Ryan Low. Uh, question number one: Heaviest defeat as an Argonne manager, Low or Schumacher? Oh, a Low. Ryan Low six now. Yeah, yeah, it's Charlton. Who'd be a six no under low? Oh, Charlton, wasn't it? COVID season. The worst ever performance at home park. Oh, yeah, they did. I can, I, well, completely erased that from my mind, thankfully. I think I, yeah, I don't, I don't recall watching that. I think I was out or so. Well, and no one booed at full time. Honestly, our happy, clappy fans are something else. Aren't they? <laughs> I think it was behind closed doors. That's fine. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. You, you would, the shark hasn't got missed there, I think. <laughs> Sarcasm over Zoom, yeah. That's because John wasn't there. Shuey's biggest loss was obviously a 5-0 uh, against MK Dons, which we like to forget about. Um, whose club has scored more this season? Schumacher. Yeah, Schumacher, I think it does. No, it's a trick question. Both I think we're level. Yeah, we're level. Point to Graham. Um, which, which manager has taken more wins against Joey Barton in their managerial career? Oh. Is it Schumacher with only one? I think it's low. I think yeah, it's, it's, not very, it's not very high. You're right. Yeah. Do you include the uh, all Papa competitions? 
Oh, we, we beat Rovers twice last season, didn't we? Yeah. Well, no, we drew and won on penalties in, in one of them, actually. Yeah, we beat Rovers <laughs> twice last season, didn't we? It's, uh, Schumacher has three wins over Barton. Uh, Lowe has two. Um, this one's a pretty easy one. You'll all get this. Days in charge at Argyle. Low. Which one's, high, which one's higher? Low, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then and then win percentage as manager of Argyle. This is all competitions as, as provided by Greens on screen. So if it's wrong, Shoei. shout at them. Got to be Shoei. Yeah. yeah. Ryan Lowe has a 44% win ratio. Steven Schumacher has a 42.9. So he's actually lower. Oh, really? What? Yeah. Really? You look at the right figures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was shocked. That's right. Blame for yeah. on screen. Not me. I'm just going to have a look now. I'm going I'm to double check that as well whilst you're doing that. <laughs> yeah. I'm amazed by that. Yeah, yeah. No, no that's not that right. Yeah. I mean, I start, I'm i thinking all competitions, you know, maybe, but even then. We had the we had the cup run. And we well, had the cup we run had the, on the uh, yeah. Hang on. Hang on. Hang well, the cup from yeah, I thought so. The cup from on. both of them, to be fair, but yeah. Hang on, there isn't a win percentage for all competitions. It's just in cups. Anyway, we'll leave it there. there um, we go. Okay, <laughs> we'll leave it there. Green's Stephen also- Schumacher has a fifty-nine point seven percent. There we go. See, that and is forty-two point seven. This, this is why we've brought you in, Graham. So you we're, were looking at just the cup result. I was. I was. I noticed that. I noticed that as soon as correct. Oh, I knew it from memory. I normally correct it in the group chat afterwards, but anyway, yeah. Um, I think we'll call that a night. Thank you. All good. All good. And I assume I'll see all four of you at uh, Deepdale. Yep. See you there. See you there. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. That's the end of another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. Before you go, please make sure you drop us a review on whichever podcast platform you are using. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at ArgoLife1886. Cheers. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.